Hey everyone, I'm Devin. And I'm Asia, and we're your hosts, and this is the latest episode of On, On Their, Their Behalf. Jack, every time I clap, Jackson looks up at me like, what? What are you <laughs> what are doing, you? lady? <laughs> he just lays in the sun. It's so cute. He loves laying in the sun. Uh, what? Uh, where did you get him from? What rescue? Uh, Hollywood Huskies. Hollywood Huskies. Okay. Yeah. We're about to start <gasps> the process. We applied for one dog, but we didn't get him. Okay. Um, but so we're we're starting to think about looking and okay. You know. Yeah. I've been yeah. Volunteering with this one rescue called Road Dogs Rescue that specializes mm-hmm. in like English bulldogs and French bulldogs. Uh, okay. With special needs. Okay. Which, like, after our little French bulldog with special needs passed away, felt very appropriate. Yeah. Um, so, and we, I applied for one via them, but they're, like, super competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, tough. And it's hard, yeah. I'm sure whoever ended up adopting him is, was, like, the perfect fit. So. Yeah. Um, we're starting to think about looking. Yay! I'm so excited. Yeah. Anyways, I can't really think of a segue <laughs> for this, so I'm just going to jump into today's case. Um, so today I'm telling the story of the murder of Toriano Jackson and the wrongful conviction of Valentino Dixon. So there's an amazing profile on Valentino in Golf Digest, and mm-hmm. I will explain why it's in Golf Digest okay. later on. Um, but a lot of the direct quotes um, will come from that that I have. I have. There's a lot of quotes. A lot of um, people are weighing in on this. Yeah. Um, and uh, for any of you that is interested in all that, like all of our sources and photos will be available on our Instagram page. So be sure to follow us on at on their behalf underscore pod subscribe leave us a rating and review and send this to your three best friends thanks i'm just gonna (laughs) say that up top now because yeah (laughs) to remind people yeah um but uh okay so on august 10th 1991 valentino dixon who was 21 at the time so he's born in like 1970 i believe was at a street party um in it was hot and crowded and loud and things got a little bit wild and a fist fight over a girl ended up resulting in gunfire and a young man named toriano jackson was shot and later died um valentino grew up on the east side of buffalo new york which he describes as the inner city Um, He grew up very drawn to art, and he used to copy comics out of the newspaper freehand. He says, quote, my mom didn't believe I'd done it without tracing, so she made me draw them again freehand as she watched. Um, And because of his artistic ability, he attended performing arts high school. He says, quote, I stayed pretty clean until I graduated. Then I started dating a girl whose brothers were drug dealers, and before long, I was in it too. It's no excuse. It was what you did in my neighborhood if you wanted to make money. I became a mid-level cocaine dealer and pulled in enough to drive flashy cars and cover friends, but not much else. I rode with a weapon, same as everybody. Hmm. Uh, And that August night at the party, Valentino was out on bail, he says, for possession charges. Valentino says, quote, it was 1.30 in the morning and we were hanging out at a popular street corner. There were probably 70 people there when word came that the Jackson brothers were looking to get my friend Mario. It was over a girl. You never knew how seriously to take these threats in our neighborhood. But sure enough, I was in a store buying beer when I heard the shots. Pow, pow. I ran outside the store and grabbed my half brother to flee. I didn't want any involvement. 
I was out on bail, and of all things, I wasn't going to let some romance drama among younger kids land me in prison. I drove home and went to bed. From what I saw, I didn't think anybody had died. The next day, the cops pulled me over, and, when, and within minutes, a tow truck was there to haul away my car. It wasn't until I got to the station that they said that I was being charged with second-degree murder, second-degree attempted murder, and third-degree assault. So, as we know, the victim was Toriano Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Buffalo News, quote, the crime was brutal. After opening fire on the four men, the shooters stood over 17-year-old Toriano Jackson and emptied a Tech 9 machine gun into the teenager's body before Jesus. fleeing into the darkness. Yeah. Um, but, so what the Buffalo News is saying happened versus what Valentino is saying has happened, you know, similar... But mm-hmm. Valentino said he ran with his half-brother. Buffalo News says the shooter stood over the body. Yeah. And then the cops are saying it's Valentino. So, hmm. hmm. Okay. Um, Toriano, a.k.a. Tori, was a student at Bennett High School and had a job flipping burgers at Metro Station Burger King. He was looking forward to the Buffalo Board of Education publishing one of his poems. Uh, he used to hang out with his older brothers a lot because uh, he was 17. He was still in high school, and they were a little bit older. Okay. Um, but it all seemed to be sort of in that community that Valentino had talked about where, you know, it was a neighborhood where you got into drug dealing, mm-hmm. everybody had a weapon, that kind of situation. Um, so the Buffalo News says that Valentino was out on bail awaiting sentences of two drug-related shootings. But Valentino says he was out on bail for possession charges. I couldn't find, like, an actual listing of, like, what was what. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like Valentino would know what he was out on bail for more than he than a news reporter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um but the fact that the Buffalo News is saying that he was, like, he was out on shooting charges mm-hmm. leans the reader and everything to thinking, like, yeah. oh, well, he did it once. Why wouldn't he do it again? Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, where, you know, the Buffalo News account and the Valentino Dixon's account are different, um, I'm going to now share the Buffalo News account of the events leading up to the shooting. So on August 10th, two weeks after an argument over a girl, Tori, Toriano Jackson's, Tori, Jackson's older brother, Aaron, who was 20, exchanged words with Dixon's half-brothers, Antoine Shannon and Leonard Brown, and his cousin, Mario Jarman, at the corner of Delavan and Bailey, and then drove home to get his other, younger brother, Tori. Um, and now, and Valentino had mentioned grabbing his half-brother and fleeing and that night and i'm not sure i think it was leonard that he was talking about um shannon jarman and brown who are um valentino's relatives were a few houses down delavan and spotted the jacksons driving toward back towards bailey so they called valentino who arrived at his house his friend scott also showed up so Dixon, Scott, and Jarman walked to the corner. So Dixon, Valentino, Lamar Scott, and Mario Jarman mm-hmm. um, walked to the corner, the which is the party that they're saying. The Jacksons and Mario exchanged words, got in a fight, and got into a fist fight. Aaron Jackson later testifies what he saw and heard in the middle of the fight. So Aaron is... the older brother of Tori, who was killed. Aaron says, quote, constant, constant shots, multiple, pow, pow, pow. I felt shells all over my body, and I hit my brother's hand, and I said, Tori, get out of here. Tori, run. Mm -hmm. So when the police arrived, um, Tori was near death. Um, And at the hospital, three witnesses named Valentino as the shooter. Wow. So... Now, the witnesses, we're, we're going to kind of get into 
a little bit about that, but I couldn't definitively find who at the hospital named Valentino. Okay. Um, and that gets a little bit complicated later on. But at the scene, the police found a thirty-two caliber gun and a shell, but never determined who owned the gun. And they never found the machine gun. So I think the facts that everybody's agreeing on is A, Tori got shot. B, okay. there was a thirty-two caliber gun that somebody had. It literally could have been anybody. It could have been Aaron's. It could have been Tori's. It could have been Valentina's. Like, yeah. it could have been anybody's. But that Tori was killed by multiple rounds with a machine gun that they never found. Oh, my God. Yeah. It just feels so intense. Um, they also found a red 1990 geo-tracker that was struck with gunfire. A um, geo-tracker? That's a car. I had to Google that. Okay. I'm like, what's a geo-tracker? <laughs> Cracker, I mean, a, a tracker. Cracker. What's a geo it's cracker? Like a, it's like a, a kind of like Jeep kind of car. Okay. But it, okay. It, it got struck by gunfire as well. Okay. All right. Um, but so Aaron was shot, Tori was shot, and another friend of theirs was shot. Okay. And Tori didn't last uh, long in the hospital. He died very soon after he was brought into the hospital. Um his parents, the Jackson parents, whose son had literally just died and other kids were injured, said that Valentino had been stalking their kids over this girl. Um, which brings us back to Valentino's arrest. Okay. So, according to Valentino, even though there were tons of cameras and news outlets at his arrest, he wasn't nervous because there were so many people around that night who had witnessed what really happened. So okay. he was confident he would be let go because he's like, I didn't shoot them. Everybody saw who really shot yeah. him. Like, it wasn't me. End of story. And then he was like, oh, even better, because his friend Lamar Scott, who came with him that night, came forward and confessed to shooting Tori. Uh, wow. So Valentino was like, great. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. He was not good. Uh -oh. Um. So it turns out that the police were suspicious of Lamar's confession because Valentino's dad was a driver or something, and he would often drive Lamar downtown. So, like, Valentino's dad and Lamar had a relationship. So the police somehow were saying that Valentino's dad and family had threatened and coerced Lamar into giving a fake confession to save Valentino. Which is um, like, well, you can't just like dismiss a confession. A confession you have to look into on, it. Yeah, like you can't dismiss it based on an inkling that they might yeah. be. There's <sighs> no proof. Yeah. Like, and they just like didn't look into it. Wow. Um, and that's just like so many things, so many times where, you know, and this could be one of the major things that's wrong with this the police system is that they focus on someone and then they try to prove that person is guilty mm -hmm. rather than trying to prove that they are not and like who actually did it like right. it it just their their sense of like where where their direction is going is like nope this guy did it now let's try to prove that he did yeah and oh, it's you're like coming forward to say you did it. No, that's no, 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 because that doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't fit with what I'm trying to prove here. Yeah, but it's like, no. So then if somebody else is coming into this situation, telling you that there is a possibility, like what happened to reasonable doubt here? Like that's not only in trial. That should be literally how you go about it. You need to like, from the beginning, follow every lead, every lead. And if, yeah. it, if it ends up being a dead end, then take the credit that they it it goes towards your theory that this guy yeah. did it not the other way around yeah so the other thing that happened was that lamar scott gave his confession to a local tv news station mm -hmm. which the police felt was like kind of like pandering to public opinion rather than just like coming straight to the police but i'm like i don't know i don't know what i would do but um. like it all. It also does seem kind of like why would you go and say it so on TV? he the guy that said that 
so he went to like the media before he went to right. the police. Yeah. Okay. Which which is what the police were like saying like that sound that felt calculated. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm I could like, see that. I can understand. That. I can understand that, but still that does not it doesn't mean you don't look into it. That doesn't yeah, that doesn't mean that you don't you know, so then if you, if what you're trying to do is prove that this person is lying, then do that. Don't just ignore right. it. Right. Um, but so so Lamar gave his confession and then went to turn himself into the police station. Um, well, OK. Valentino says that Lamar turned himself in. Mm-hmm. Buffalo News says that Lamar was taken in for questioning, which it literally could be that Lamar showed up at the police station and then they like took him back for questioning. Mm. So it was like, like, okay, you're literally only doing it because he showed up. Like, uh, it just feels weird. And the two versions of the story are sort of indicative of like, kind of what this whole case is about really. Like where I think it's like almost the same, but like Mm -hmm. things are just a little bit off. Yeah. Um, so it's it, I get a little bit confused because of that, but mm-hmm. you know, okay. I'm gonna do my best. Yeah. Um. So Buffalo News has a an account of the questioning, and they say police immediately took him in for questioning. Mm, mm, questionable. I don't know about that. Yeah. Um. Lamar told Detective Mark Stombach that when he realized there could be trouble that night, he went home and got a machine gun to protect his friends. But he said that Toriano Jackson fired the first shot, possibly with the handgun the police found at the scene. Quote, they jumped out of a yellow Dodge shadow and opened on fire on me and my friends. I shot back in self-defense. Yes. After that, I ran down the street and I threw the gun. I went home. That was it. And then Stombach said, who shot and killed Toriano Jackson? And Lamar says, I did. Stombach says... Why did you shoot Toriano Jackson? Lamar says, because he came back and open fired on us. I emptied the clip. Hmm. But they just still didn't buy that confession. Then they thought Valentino's dad was behind it all. Um, it was Valentino's dad. Like, I, I couldn't really find like if he was like some big honcho or something. yeah, like, like was he like a big. Man no, in the community like, or something like that, where he would I have the resources to make that happen. It seems very weird that they're like, "This is the guy." And yeah, like there and there was no no evidence or anything that I could find that he's like some. Yeah, that he even had money or anything. It was just hmm. weird. It, it feel it felt loose to me. Yeah, it felt loose. Um. So, okay, what the detective says is that, um, quote, what Lamar later told us in the investigation was that the Dixon family came to him and said, look, Valentino's older. He's 21. He's not eligible for youthful offender status. You're eligible at age 18. You'll be out in no time, and Valentino will be in for a long time, end quote. So then now that's the police saying that that is what Lamar told them that the Dixon family said to him. The Dixon family denied this. Mm-hmm. I'm also like, still, why would that yeah. make him give a shit about getting somebody else out of prison? Like, yeah, if I didn't do something and someone oh. was like, you would serve less jail time than the person who did it. So you should go forward. I would be like, no. Yeah. What you, like, what does that have to do with me? Yeah. <laughs> like. Like, why would he offer himself up like that? Right. So it's, it's like, it's, it seems so strange that, like, he would do this, like, false confession as this mm-hmm. martyr yeah. for some guy. Yeah. Um. And what was their relationship, um, if you didn't say this already? They like, were just friends. Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly, like, in what capacity. Mm-hmm. I feel like since, since Lamar had a sh- machine gun, like, yeah. maybe they were all sort of in the drug dealer world yeah. together. I mean, um, I love you, Devin, but, like, there's no way if I didn't do something, I would be like, yeah, I murdered them, but she no. didn't. I'm like, like, unless it was my child, maybe. Yeah, 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 I could see that. Yeah, but, I could. See, but, like, no. no. And I'm, I just don't see it in the drug world. Like, I know, you know, I don't like, see that being, like, loose. 
Yeah. It's loose. Yeah. It's finicky. It's loose. Mm-hmm. So they don't even give a shit about anything Lamar says, and they move forward with prosecuting Valentino. Wow. Um, Aaron Jackson, who was one of the guys that was shot. John Sullivan. I think John Sullivan was the other guy that was shot. Okay. And Emil Adams, who was there that, that night, all t- affiliated with Tori, the mm-hmm. young man who passed away, was shot and killed. I'm going to say he was murdered. Yeah. Um, they all testified in front of a grand jury that Valentino killed Tori. And they were all there. Which is like, okay, that's kind of compelling. Yeah. Like three eyewitnesses. Yeah. Say that they saw it. Okay. And that could also, like, I could see being an investigator, a detective, whatever, and you have three people saying one thing and then this one rando guy coming in and saying right. another thing. But well, I feel like the weight just... that, well, yeah, not rando, but like there's a, there's a lot more weight to his confession than there is of why eyewitness accounts, because we know that those aren't always reliable. So I just don't and, see it. And like a confession of like it, it wasn't after hours of questioning or anything like, yeah. He, just said it himself yeah but on top of that leonard brown and mario jarman who are or like valentino's uh Mm -hmm. half brother and his cousin i believe um they testified in front of the grand jury that lamar killed tory so you have kind of like three to two about who killed who yeah you know and then lamar is called um to the stand for the defense Mm mm-hmm and he gets up there, he gets sworn in, and we're like, okay, ready, he's going to confess. He's going to say that he killed Tori. He gets on the stand, and he testifies that Valentino <gasps> killed Tori. What? <gasps> Sir, excuse me? Do you just want attention? Like, what? Okay. Hmm. Uh, we're going to come back to this. We're going to okay. come back to this. Okay. Because I've got um, questions, but I always do that, yes. and I you end up answering them anyway. So I'm just going to shut up and let you um, go. <laughs> so Valentino, of course, is indicted because yeah. what they thought was, like, the final piece of the puzzle, like, mm-hmm. flipped the script. Um, and on top of Valentino being indicted, Leonard Brown and Mario Jarman, who testified that mm. Lamar killed Tori, are charged with perjury. <gasps> Oh, God. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, Okay. So. Wow. After they're charged with perjury, Mm -hmm. Lamar admits, I don't know to who, but Lamar says that he was also threatened with perjury if he didn't testify that Valentino killed Tori. Okay. So there's literally... The, coercion the da oh no it absolutely is <laughs> like I'm, okay i'm just making sure i wasn't crazy <laughs> like so he is bullied and threatened into recanting his testimony which lands valentino a freaking murder trial wow <sighs> so valentino goes on trial starting june 1992 and it went pretty much how the indictment went um Tori's team saying that Valentino killed him. Valentina's, you know, uh, calling all the same witnesses. But Valentino's defense didn't call any witnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they The witnesses wanted to, and they were willing, uh, his cousin and his brother, but because they were charged with perjury and because Lamar had already recanted his testimony, mm-hmm. um, it would just, like, look really bad so like like mario and um leonard couldn't go back on the stand and say no uh yeah lamar killed without being charged with perjury again Again. yeah yeah and lamar had already testified under oath that valentino killed uh tori so he can't now go and say no actually i did it because like what yeah you know, so mm-hmm. the defense made that decision knowing that it would be worse for yeah, them to for them. bring up these faulty mm-hmm. witnesses who have been discredited really effectively and unfairly. Yeah. Um, Ugh, that's so annoying. Right. It's crazy. So uh, 
there was an attorney named Don Thompson who worked on Dixon's Appeal for a long time, but he's no longer affiliated. But um, he said, quote, that sort of witness intimidation by the prosecution almost never happens. I disagree. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he says, if you're just engaged in a search for the truth, you let the jury have everything and let them sort it out. Yeah. On the other hand, if you've already decided what the truth is, you try to eliminate any testimony you don't like that isn't consistent with your version. Version, yep. So that's like exactly what we're saying, where they're Mm -hmm. just like literally trying to chip away so that whatever fits into their narrative. Their narrative, yeah. Like what they believe, as long as they get the outcome that they want, they're Mm -hmm. gonna. They work backwards, which is not backwards. It's not. That's not how it should go. It should work. Like, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. So of course the jury convicts Valentino of murder, attempted murder, Mm -hmm. assault, and weapons charges. Wow. And Judge Michael L. D'Amico, D'Amico, mm-hmm. whatever, Italian, sentenced him to prison on August 7th, 1992. 39 years to life. Wow. So Valentino's earliest parole date is set for 2030 when he'll be 60 years old. Jeez. Um, so Valentino goes to jail. Mm-hmm. He serves most of his time at Attica in upstate New York, which is where Blake Buffalo is. Mm-hmm. And then get this. Uh-oh. Literally, like, about a year after Valentino went to jail, guess who also shows up at Attica? Fucking Lamar Scott. I was going to say Lamar. <laughs> Lamar. Valentino says, quote, I now see Lamar regularly. One year after I was convicted, Lamar shot a teenager in the face (gasps) after an armed robbery and made him a quadriplegic. What the? So Lamar's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, And but like, can you just imagine if you like literally went to jail to prison for your lifetime mm-hmm. because of something somebody else did and then that other fucking person ends up in there with you yeah oh dear lordy 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 that is like, and no. i oh my god I, I wonder what that like first realization was like like for them to like see yeah. each other across the yard or some shit yeah and be like what what are you doing here you know like i'm here because of you like why are you now here like what's going on valentino says that they're cordial and he's like not harboring any like resentment because he's like otherwise i would just die like yeah oh yeah i can't do that which i'm like that oof Mm. that takes a lot of strength big person (laughs) yeah 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 um so valentino you know is now (laughs) literally in prison with this fucker Um, and he stayed there, obviously. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Um, he says he kept his head down. He kept a clean disciplinary report, which is nearly impossible in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, especially Attica is one where like, especially like violent criminals tend to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but he has just worked diligently and quietly on his appeals. He says that people don't like to hear about when you're innocent in jail because everybody says they're innocent. Yeah, I th- thought that was like interesting. So it's just like becomes like annoying to talk about it. So he works on his appeals. He's studied law. He got his GED in um, prison and everything to try to work on his appeals. Um, he says, quote, every two months I get to visit my family for two days in a trailer. My mom lives oh. an hour away and I have three daughters. My youngest can thank her existence to the family reunion program. <laughs> <laughs> And a wife, Louise, who was recently deported to her native Australia. Wow. Yeah. So Louise encountered my drawings on the internet and moved to the United States to help with my appeals. We were married in a brief ceremony in the visitation room. Wow. Yeah. And then I guess Louise overstayed her visa, which is why she was deported. Um, and I was like, oh my God, whoa. Okay, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. That's a whole nother episode. Um, 
But as Valentina like settled into and like committed to like surviving Attica while still processing his appeals, his case kept changing. Okay. This is a quote from the uh, Golf Digest uh, article. They mm-hmm. say, quote, across two decades, 15 eyewitnesses have testified in court or signed sworn statements. These witnesses pretty much shake out seven to three in favor of Valentino Dixon's innocence, with others saying everything happened too fast or their vantage wasn't clear. Nearly everyone there was a teenager, and many of the key participants didn't know, barely knew, just met, or claimed to not know any other key participants. Huh. But, like, seven to three saying Valentino didn't do it. Yeah. And over 20 years, 15 people coming forward and adding stuff to the case. It's just, wow. like, so shaky. Yeah. So, in 2000, eight years after Valentino's conviction, there was an incident with Emile Adams, who was one of the people that testified that Valentino shot and killed Tori, mm-hmm. and a private investigator. Private investigator's name was Roger Putnam, who was hired by Valentino's family. So that was like, okay, they have money to hire a PI, so maybe they had money to mm-hmm. coerce Lamar, but Lamar is shitty, so maybe he actually did it. Whatever. Yeah, who knows? Um, who knows? Um, but, uh, what, so what happened with Emil and Roger was that uh, working on behalf of the Dixon's appeal teams, Putnam says he was visited Emil several times at the barbershop where he worked. Mm-hmm. Putnam said in an affidavit that Emil indicated that his trial testimony had not been truthful and agreed to meet at Putnam's office to record a statement, but then he never showed. Hmm. Emil then said to the police, I do not know Roger Putnam. I never talked to Putnam. I never lied in court or was coerced by the district attorney's office. But there's other people who know Putnam that yeah. are quoted and say like, he's the real fucking deal he's not <laughs> they're saying he's not an internet sleuth like you and me um, <laughs> but he's like an actual legit guy so there's yeah. no reason to question his integrity in this yeah but uh, so like a, a meal was gonna confess that he lied and then he just didn't show up so what happened in that time yeah so another witness from the prosecution John Sullivan, who testified that mm-hmm. Valentino killed Tori, had a charge pending in Georgia when he was escorted to Buffalo under custody to testify. So mm-hmm. he was literally in jail in Georgia, and then they brought him to Buffalo to testify. Ooh. So, and he, oh, he was the one, yeah, he was shot in the leg during the flight, during the fight, excuse okay. me. And he... Um, okay, so he fled to the steps of the church 86 yards away, which they measured for okay. the trial, um, when he saw the killing. So 86 yards, that's, that's a fair, uh, a, a, a sizable distance, but not one that you would like. If you know who you're looking at, you know who you're looking at at mm-hmm. the distance. However... Um, John admitted to smoking weed sprinkled with cocaine and drinking liquor earlier in that day, but he said he had slept off the high and wasn't hindered by distance or quality of the streetlights in identifying Valentino. So you're talking about reasonable doubt earlier. That's it. Yeah. Gives me reasonable doubt. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's our favorite thing here is that Valentino had an all white jury. Oh, you know what? I was <laughs> literally when you started this this case, I said this uh, this like reminds me of the Curtis Flowers case a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Like so many people, 15, 20 <laughs> people are saying that they saw this person do something mm-hmm. and then, you know, there's so many other suspects but they're zeroing in on this one person yep. and working backwards to try to figure out how it's Curtis him Flowers rather th- case. Uh, do we remember? Yes, I do. Give me a second. Mississippi. Mississippi. Okay. Yeah, I think. Alabama? Yeah. No. 
Um, I'm going to go with you. I think, I think it's Mississippi. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Now another quote from golf digest, my new favorite magazine quote, Carl Kraling, now 53, was the foreman and the youngest member of the all-white jury that convicted Valentino of second-degree murder, second-degree attempted murder, and third-degree assault. To this day, Kraling remains unsettled. He says, the first vote was 9-3, to not guilty, and I was one of those voting not guilty. 9-3. to Wow. Not guilty. As he remembers, one very vocal juror steadily persuaded the rest over 14 hours. Oh, my God. I hope, you know, you know, my dream has always been to be like on a murder trial. But then I'm like 14 hours. And then like, what if there's one person and then there's four, 14 people trying to like convince the one person or the other way around? Like that's. Yeah. That's just torture. Torture. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever be picked for a jury because I would be like, is there a cop involved? I'm going to go vote for the other way. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. I think we wouldn't be anyway because they'd be like, what do you do for yeah, a living? Like, we have well, a true crime podcast. We have a true crime <laughs> podcast and we uh, work in the TV business yeah. and mostly it's about legal stuff. <laughs> Most I'm of our taking... shows are about medical and re- yeah. uh, legal things. They're like... like um, Okay. Like, well. I'm I'm gonna be ta- I'm gonna be recording this session if that's all right for future. Yeah, for my podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It um, depends on if it's like a, a, a like a two party recording state, and I think yeah, California is. We are. So. We have to disclose it. Yeah. So just be like, I'm just gonna let you know if you're not okay with that. Uh, yeah. Tough. <laughs> Too bad. You can let me go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, but as. Uh, but Kraling's most vivid memory is of their 11 p.m. police escort through the chaotic courtroom after the verdict, with news camera flashings and Valentina's mother wailing. On the way out, Kraling says the judge called to him, it, called him into his chambers and asked, "What took so long?" Wow. Yeah. So two decades later, Kraling's memory of what the judge said is this. There's a lot you're not allowed to know. Just trust me, you did the right thing on this. The guy lied to the grand jury. He was involved with weapon charges and drive-by shootings, drug dealings. This guy is a menace and he should be off the streets. Sleep well tonight. You did the right thing. Wow. Which now they asked that judge, Damico or whatever, Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, I would never say anything like that. And we're not allowed to talk to individual jurors. So that yeah. didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a big story to spin if it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so where are they, where are they getting? Yeah. It seems like it's a really big dip in the pot right there. Yeah. Yeah. A dip in the pot. Huh? Yeah. Like a huge scoop in the pot. You know, that you, you don't have, you can't handle never it. never heard that. You've never heard you that? You can't handle it? Is that where that comes from? Yeah. Like, you can't handle it because it's, you took a bit too big of a scoop. Whoa. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, it, it just feels like they just, <laughs> yeah, it's too much for them to handle and then try to, like, you know, yeah support it you know like support it you don't really have a lot to support your big scoop (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go write that down in a notebook (laughs) Um, so so on top of all of that right Mm -hmm. mr lamar went back to his original story of course he told golf digest in march 2012 Quote, each and every day it eats away at me that I allowed them to convince me to do the wrong thing. Them meaning the DA yeah. changing his story on the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamar is eligible for, for parole in 2018. I don't, don't think he got it. Um, okay. But he risked, at that time in 2012, when mm-hmm. this was published, he risked more prison time if the responsibility for Tory's murder was switched to him. Wow. So again, it's like literally has only only has things to lose. Yeah. Here, you know. 
Um, Lamar says that the prosecution threatened him by bringing his foster parents into the room and threatening their well-being if he didn't recant his confession. And oh my God! District Attorney Belling denies this, saying like we would never bring in people to an interrogation room, which is like. Okay, maybe they didn't physically bring them in, but like doesn't that doesn't mean they didn't threaten. threaten yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean that they didn't say that he didn't say that at the same yeah. time. Or and what did they like? I wonder if where his foster parents. I wonder if they can corroborate that. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get any of that kind of. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so but so Valentino was sent to prison in 1992. Mm-hmm. So in 1994, Lamar like confessed again. Yeah. In 2002, he confessed again. In 2012, confessed again, and then just maintained his story. Wow. Um, Valentino believes that the system used this as an opportunity to get him off the streets as a rising drug dealer uh which is essentially kind of what the that guy the the jury guy said the judge told him yeah which like how would the jury guy know know that that yeah because you can't like say that as an argument to mm-hmm. convict a guy in a in uh, the courtroom uh, yeah um but especially it, for for a crime that doesn't yeah. have anything to do with it yeah we've seen we've seen that happen right like where I mentioned Al Capone recently, something where he was arrested for tax fraud. Yeah. Instead of being a gangster. And, like, that's how they got him. That got him instead of, yeah. Street, which is, like, you see, you see, like, people trying to be, like, clever or, like, roundabout ways of getting, like, the quote-unquote bad guys off the street. Yeah. All this kind of stuff. But it's, like, here's the thing. Al Capone actually did evade taxes. So yeah. he was guilty for that. For, yeah. Um, but it's also like that is that mentality that leads to the situation we're in now, now. have always been. Yeah. Where people just fucking kill people. People in uniforms kill people not in uniforms with black skin who they think are bad people. And they're yeah. like, we're cleaning up the streets. And it's like that. This is why you yeah. have that mentality. This is why you think you can do that, because you think you have the power to decide who gets to live who yeah. gets to go to jail and who doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, they didn't care who killed Tori because Tori was another drug dealer. Drug yeah. dealer. They just wanted to get Valentino off the streets. And guess what? They got Lamar off the streets a year I later. I was just thinking that. I was just like, okay, well, if like maybe like just doing my own backwards investigating in my head, you know, maybe they're like, oh, we do know that Lamar was the one that killed uh, killed Tori, um, but we have something else on on Lamar that yeah. can get both of these people off the street. That sounds like a you plot know? to a movie. Yeah, like let's just get Valentino, uh, you know, convicted mm-hmm. for this, and then we'll build our case against Lamar, and then both of them are off the street, and yep. we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, in 1998, a new witness came forward. One of those 15 that I had mentioned mm-hmm. earlier named Tamara Frida who is a social worker with a master's degree who was oh. working at a lab in Buffalo General Hospital in 1991 so i i think it's interesting that they say that like her credentials mm-hmm. to like it's like the respectability politics, right? Being like, she is educated and she's working and she works at a hospital and all this stuff, so this is why we can believe her. Yeah. But, you know. Um, but she says she clearly saw Lamar Scott shoot Tori before she scrambled behind her car. Wow. The Red Geo Tracker. <gasps> Ooh! Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then she said on the drive home, the car broke down. Because um, <laughs> it got struck by all those bullets. Yeah. Yeah. And she was saying that she f- was fearful of gangland retribution. That's what it's the phrase it says. So that's what kept her quiet that whole time. Wow. Okay. Um, because at that point, you know, you don't know who who's on what side. Yeah. And like, yeah. You know, I do understand that. Um, but what is actually infuriating is that. A Buffalo Police interdepartmental memo dated four days after the shooting 
documents a phone call from a female who refused to identify herself. Mm. And it said, she said Valentina was not the shooter. She was asked if she was the girl from the red tracker, and she said yes. She would not say if she could identify the shooter. She would think about it and call back. But Tamara says that she was the one who made the phone call, but out of fear, she didn't call back. So they just never wow. used that evidence. And that, that made me think, like, what, what? I guess, like, sure, you need reliable witnesses and everything, but, like, why is that not admissible? Yeah. Or maybe it was, and it just wasn't big enough? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's but, so crazy. Yeah, more and more evidence pointing to Lamar's guilt kept coming out. Because it's also, like, it's it's often hard to prove someone else's guilt. So what defense tries to do is prove someone else's innocence. Yeah. Or proves their whatever but here you literally have somebody else being like i did it i did it Mm -hmm. and still nothing yeah you know um okay so this is the point where insane to me i know yeah it gets it gets a little meta right now okay because in 2012 golf digest did that profile on valentino Mm um and that was published and that is actually kind of what sparked public reinterest in this case Mm -hmm. um but you might be wondering why would golf digest yeah give a shit about valentino yeah (laughs) well (laughs) i don't know why i did that (laughs) um so it was a very evil laugh (laughs) i know i know i don't know why um (laughs) Wow. Remember how I said Valentina was super into art? Yeah. In the beginning? Uh, well, in prison, he, like, re-found his love of art again. And he, uh-huh. like, could only have colored pencils. They weren't allowed to have paint. But he started drawing. And in I'm the sorry, 19- what? Wait. They were allowed to have colored, sharp pencils, but not paint? I think it was less about uh, the weapons of it and more about, like... Uh, just control for the sake of control okay all right that's my theory anyways yeah um and maybe the cost of it you know yeah that could be it too um so after about 19 years in prison he was starting to draw uh and he said he was getting tired of drawing animals and people out of magazines and national geographic and whatnot Mm -hmm. um but then one day the warden named james conway brought him a picture of a golf course and asked him to draw it Uh uh-huh and Valentino had never been golfing, but something about the peaceful look of the course spoke to him. So after uh-huh. that, Valentino would borrow copies of Golf Digest from another inmate. Um, Valentino says, quote, he crosses his name out and loans me the issues because you get a ticket if you're caught with something that has somebody else's name on it, just like you get tickets for draping sheets across your bars or fighting. Some guys wow. in here break the rules anyway, but life's better when you stay invisible. Wow, okay. So by the time of the article's publication in 2012, Valentino had drawn over 130 golf courses, all using colored pencils. And the drawings are super bright and super vivid. Like, it, you almost don't believe it's, like, colored pencil. Yeah. And some of them are almost, like, trippy, the way that they he uses colors and everything. Oh, wow. Um, and it's really crazy to imagine, like those drawings with so much light and heart and vividness come out of a prison, you know? So Golf Digest has a column called Golf Save My Life, written by Max Adler, where people write in about, like, you know, if they're going through cancer and golf helped Mm -hmm. them, whatever, a divorce, whatever. And Valentino read those columns, and Mm -hmm. he wrote a letter to Max. And he explained that though he had never been golfing, golf save valentina's life while he was in prison so max adler uh, like went to visit valentino and interviewed him and did this whole profile piece on him and published it along with drawings of the the golf courses um and that was in 2012 so valentino valentino had been in prison for 21 years at that point i think um so it got a lot of interest in the Mm -hmm. case again public interest 
Yeah. But nothing really was happening with the appeals. Okay. Really. Um, I was going to ask before, like, I wonder if he's exhausted all of his appeals at this point, and that's why it's kind of gone nowhere after all these years. Well, he... I, I think he... I don't think he's exhausted all of them because, he, like, they keep kind of going back to it. But I think yeah. it's just sort of like... Um, Wait, actually, I don't even know if you... Like, your appeals do get exhausted. I, think I don't they only know either. do if you're on death row. I think you only get a certain oh. amount if you're on death row. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. Okay. Uh, I'll go with what you're saying. Yeah, I, don't I just... I've been doing a lot of <laughs> research for my script about death row. Oh, so yeah. I've been, I think that's where I, I'm getting it yeah. from. But I don't know if you do if you're not... Um, on death row. I think you right. just get and to he keep appealing. Right. Yeah. So after about a month after the piece was published and like there was a lot of public support for Valentino, um, still nothing was happening and the exoneration board dropped his appeal because they were saying there was no new evidence. It was just new coverage and they are so slammed all the time that they want to focus on cases with new evidence. evidence yeah which i'm like what about all the new evidence about the geo tracker lady and yeah. all these like why isn't that new and all oh. these like people who are coming like new testimonies new yeah like what are that is that not considered it's new not, evidence i guess it's not um so in march 2013 golf channel picked up the story which mm-hmm. again got some attention but only some and it was like for five years, Valentino, Valentino's family, and Max Adler, this Golf Digest writer, mm-hmm. continued to work and write letters and work with advocacy groups to get him exonerated. But the problem is that if you write a bunch of letters, great, but you have to have somebody to listen, and nobody was listening. No. Yeah. And then in 2018, a group of students at Georgetown University who are in a class called making an exoneree like <laughs> oh like <laughs> making a murder was cute. Yeah. yeah okay um they reached out and the professors were mark howard and marty tankleff who are childhood friends whose lives grew further linked when the former helped exonerate the latter after 17 years in prison end quote wow so it's literally like these guys teaching a class at georgetown and mm-hmm. each semester the project is to help exonerate help exonerate somebody which i think they did a show about that or something um yeah sounds familiar yeah uh, me too and i think there was it might there also is like a an advocacy group as well like like wrongfully convicted or whatever that a show is made from from them where they you know and i think if i remember correctly from the curtis flowers case i watched a documentary about his case and there was an advocacy group that got together to try uh, to prove that he was innocent and exonerate him. Yeah. I don't know if they had any hand in, in doing that. I think, I, I don't think that they did really the podcast. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I forget the name of it now. Damn. Yeah. But uh, that podcast is what yeah. really uncovered. If you want a lot. more information on this Curtis flowers case that we're talking about, we have it from uh, last He's, season or season one. I think it's Go season. check out our archives. It's yeah. a really great episode. Yeah. Not uh, we'll, we'll, well, actually, we can link it, too. We'll link it um, in our on our page. Yeah. So that you Remind guys can go back and that. listen to the... Um, yes. To that episode, because that's... It, it, there's a lot of similarities here. It's kind mm-hmm. of a long episode, but it's really a, a long it's, case. And it's <laughs> so. one of the happy beer ones yeah like there is you know we should actually there's a lot of updates on that case so yeah. we should do another update um, yeah on that so yeah, yeah go back and listen so, to it yes so this georgetown group reached out asked if they could help him he said yes and they just went to town and they went through all of the court cases everything that happened after with everything and built this really solid case mm-hmm. to get valentino out um uh, Oh, but remember how I was saying how it, it needed new they needed new evidence and none of none of the anything that was happening was considered new evidence. Well, yeah. this quote from a, another Golf Digest article that happened like following this 
um, says, quote, in a filmed interview, prosecuting attorney Belling would acknowledge to these students that the gunpowder residue testing on Dixon's possessions produced negative results, which is different than no results or what was put forth in 1991 when huh. mysteriously it couldn't be confirmed if the lab had attempted testing. A Brady violation is when such information isn't shared with the defense. Yeah. And so this slight turn of phrase qualified as new evidence. Wow. And that was like such a small piece of the puzzle that that moment literally wasn't mentioned in any article, anything about gunpowder residue in any article until that came out. Wow. That's how small and insignificant that was. So, but that is the thing that Mm -hmm. qualified it as new evidence. So with that leading the charge and then plus everything else, yeah. Um, Valentino filed a motion using all the new evidence. Mm-hmm. And finally, after 27 years, Valentino Dixon was released from prison. <gasps> Yay! Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. Yes. And Valentino says, quote, now that I'm out, I've got to do all I can do for other wrongfully convicted people and even wow. some of the rightly convicted. He says mass incarceration is a terrible thing. There are criminals, and then there are the guys who made one bad decision, and if they get out, they'll never commit another crime. Yeah. They deserve a second chance. Absolutely. It's so crazy. And even if we go by that theory that, like, oh, they were getting, they were trying to get both these drug dealers off the streets, and it's just like putting them in prison does not, no. yeah, oh, it successfully physically gets them off the streets, but is it actually helping them in any way? Because guess like, what? He has three kids that now have no yeah. father figure. Yeah. And it's just like creating more, the ripple effects of the negativity of that. Yeah. Are it's just, just like, astounding. So you, what you do instead is you create opportunities in those freaking neighborhoods and you reinvest the police budget into, into those neighborhoods. Those neighborhoods so and that, then people don't have to be bored and do crack. Yeah. That's not why people do crack, but you know I know. What I, mean. I know what you mean. And it's just, but that's the thing. It's just like now, did, do I think that it, how many years was he in prison? 27. 27 years. So you're like 27 years of not only taxpayers' dollars going into keeping this yep. man in prison, but also I don't think it would have t- taken 20 years, 27 years for him to be rehabilitated if you even want to use that word like i don't think that that's what it it would have taken that long he like if there was some sort of program in 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 place in his neighborhood or in his community where where he could have applied his art he could have applied all of these different things to then becoming someone who does fight for justice and does fight for to, to to exonerate people like why did it have to take 27 years of his life for him to do this now? He could yeah. have done it a year after that if there was a situation where that was possible for him. Yeah. And it also, it should not be on him. Exactly. He was it forced shouldn't. into the system and forced and a victim mm-hmm. of the system that is broken. Yeah. That needs Agreed. to be f- abolished and fixed and rebuilt and restructured so that it actually promotes healing and Mm -hmm. is as a way that we can get justice but also fix the wound that whatever initial hurt was caused you know what i mean and you know that weird but yeah no i know i know what you mean and it's also i i think that it's it's also the a very it's a mentality and um like an idea that people from those communities who you know don't have the opportunities can't contribute to society in mm-hmm. a good way mm-hmm. so so it's almost like black people or minorities they they, they don't they can't contribute to, to to our society and 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 build it and and ha- and actually become working members of our community and and make it better so we have to keep them suppressed mm-hmm. we have to keep them you know, in a situation where they do need to sell drugs or they do need to, you know, mm-hmm. do things to provide for themselves that are illegal. So as long as we keep them there because they're mm-hmm. not worthy of the uh, the opportunity to com- contribute to our community. But if that mentality or that idea goes away, then 
we we start helping those communities we, and, we and we build benefit. a better society and we all yeah we all benefit we and literally the all benefit. benefit from it so it just yeah. doesn't make sense why people are so stuck in that you know and it's it goes back to slavery black people can't yep. do anything but but be a slave so why are we going to give them opportunities yeah. to do that meanwhile or, if you actually look at it it's like black people did everything everything, everything, <laughs> everything. and they survive yeah like, yeah it's crazy shut up everyone yeah. my friend and i were watching a cooking show the other day um and we were just we were talking about um because in the cooking show, it, it, it's like talking about West African food and how mm-hmm. West African food is not really um, like people don't really know that they're eating food that comes from mm-hmm. um, like West Africa or, or from a culture in which West African spices and foods are um, prominent or whatever. And mm-hmm. they and they the reason that we have a lot of Indian cooking and West African cooking in uh, coming from Britain was because they basically enslaved those people, yeah. stole their ideas, their recipes, their spices, and then sold them overseas, mm-hmm. creating a basically a new culture of food and, and took credit for it. Yeah. And it That's was like colonialism for you. And I'm like, oh, my God, that like the fact that you not only enslaved black people and Indians and all these people that like actually could have contributed to your society and your culture in the best way possible. You didn't want to give them the credit. You wanted all the good things, but you didn't want to give them the credit. Like that's literally. You want to hear something crazy? Just, this is a real quick Mm -hmm. thing. India has been independent from the British empire for 73 years. Prince Philip Mm -hmm. died at 99 so, wow! Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip were actual colonizers. Oh yeah, it's not like descended from. It's not ancient history. No, it's no. Like, yeah, like putting it in the scheme of that is mm-hmm. like something that I hadn't heard until he died, and then I saw that. Yeah. Well, they know. they kind of touch on it in the Crown. Oh, I stopped watching. Yeah, they touch on that in the Crown a little <laughs> bit because you know. Obviously, she was being, and I don't know how true any of this is. Like, I, I hope it is, like, as factual as possible. But, like, you know, that she was getting a lot of pressure from uh, Parliament to, and obviously the men that really run the country, she was the yeah. face. But, like, pressure from from them for her to keep, you know, certain, you know, countries and certain people like under the queen under like the rule of the queen the commonwealth the commonwealth yeah that's the word i was looking for so it was just like and as much as she in the tv show made it seem like that she didn't want to really do that like but i think it was more she didn't even want to be in the like she just wanted to be a mom and a wife like she could care less about you know all of the yeah that stuff but yeah it's it's interesting how many years and 70 what'd you say 73 years Mm -hmm. doesn't even feel like a long time it's not a long time it's (laughs) It's not a long time like it's like he's he was 99 and you're like wow that's old but like not really like that was not that long long ago not a long (laughs) time crazy no yeah okay but speaking of contributing to society now that valentino's out on top of being an amazing advocate for Mm -hmm you know, fixing the prison industrial complex, helping exonerate people. He's also a super uh, successful artist and his show, his work has been shown in multiple galleries. He's had lots of uh, installations. Mm -hmm. And um, this, the reason that I found out about this case actually was that Michelle Obama bought Barack a piece of his for Christmas in 2020. (gasps) Wow. And I saw them post about it. And then I was like, who is this? And that's how yeah. I discovered about his story. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So he's he's definitely like very much contributing. Mm-hmm. It's like there's been like it's interesting that like he sort of a, a black man from, you know, what he calls the inner city in Buffalo, New York is. Yeah. Draw, is getting attention for drawing this like super bougie white person sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and never having done it, he's golfed now, but yeah, at that at that point, never having done it. Um, but it's like, 
yeah his his point of view on it is so beautiful mm-hmm. and we'll share some of the uh, some of his images but uh if you are interested in learning more about him you can go to his website which is valentinodixon.com or find him on instagram at valentino dixon um and he posts his work he posts advocacy he posts opportunities to get involved mm-hmm. and while we do recognize that Toriano's life was taken very early in a really heartbreaking way. Um, we are ultimately glad that Valentino was exonerated for this crime that he didn't commit. This week's episode was written and edited by me, Devin Balsamo-Gillis, with music by Holly Amber Church. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. On On their their behalf, behalf, thank thank you you for for listening. listening.